to me, the Super Famicom was like the coolest machine ever. It was the greatest, still to this day, best font, best logo, best industrial design, best controller, best everything. Like, I just love that machine so much. And so I really wanted this, you know, everything we do at the studio, because we're smaller, we're not a big company, we can't afford, you know, a team of 3D modelers and stuff. Like, we want to do the classic 2D genres, but upgraded with cool fun tech and just really be in the classic core of those 16-bit games. But if you had modern physics, modern, you know, visual graphics processing power, modern artificial intelligence, tying all that stuff together and like redoing those classic genres, like that's all I want to do. I've had a chance to meet a lot of lovely people in the video game industry, uh, but absolutely one of my favorites is Jake Castle. You may know him as the designer of Skulls of the Shogun. Uh, he was on stage at the Sony press conference at E3 this year, showing off his brand new game, uh, Galaxy. And I know him from EALA, where he worked on the Command and Conquer series, worked on the abandoned LMNO project with Steven Spielberg. He worked uh, at Sega Japan, working on Res and on Space Channel 5. He has been all around the block. He even was a uh, Nintendo like hint counselor. I forget what you actually call those people. But he's been in the industry for an extraordinarily long time. He is one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet. And their studio seemed to get kind of a raw deal on Skulls of the Shogun for all sorts of reasons. And it resulted in the game kind of being overlooked and not selling that well. But their new game, Galaxy, sort of a top-down open-world shooter that also plays kind of like Halo in space. It's hard to describe. It's best when you play it yourself. But I had a chance to hang out at the 17-bit offices on uh, my first day here in Seattle, and we spent a good long time chatting about 17-bit, Galaxy, Skulls of the Shogun, where indies are going, all sorts of topics. Uh, We kind of go all over the place, uh, and I'm looking forward to passing over the mic and uh, letting you guys listen in on what we have to talk about. Going for that authentic feel. 17 like bit executive lounge. Like a real indie studio. This is as real as it gets. The warehouse, we got bugs. <laughs> you zapping those bugs? Yeah. Changed my life. But the other reason I got one was because all the hornets in my back tech. We go out there and have dinner all the time. And uh, there's hornets everywhere. There's just like meat hornets, the ones that so are just like all So you bring over. the zapper from here to home? I like bought two goes, of them. One uh, for the studio, one for the house. All right, so I, no, I liked the idea that you just had one, and you just brought you it know, home you every put, night. You put it in your car, and you just bring it home with you every night. <laughs> no. I mean, I would have. It would have been, it would have worked. It would, it would have been worth it for sure, but no, we didn't go that deep. Holy smokes. All right, well, why don't we just start high level? All right. The pitch. Galaxy, what is this? This is a modern, open-world, action-adventure shooting game seen through the lens of a classic 60-bit shooter. Okay. Because you guys started as Haunted Temple, then made transition to 17-bit mm-hmm. about, what, halfway? Three-quarters through Skulls of the Shogun? Um, over halfway, yeah. Because I know, that, you know when you told me about that, it was sort of like you guys kind of figured out exactly what the studio was in the middle of that, and that seemed to sort of define what you guys were going to do going forward under kind of like the banner of 17-bit. Like that sort of like yeah. was more the philosophy of the games you wanted to make. Yeah, I mean, that, that philosophy had been there the whole time, but um, 
it, it clarified with that. Like, it definitely gelled with that. You know, when I was talking to Corey about this concept of... It was going to be sort of a brand within the brand. It's Corey Schmitz, right? Yeah. yeah. So 17-Bit was going to be a brand of... The guy games. who's done everybody's logos in the last six months. Because he's awesome. Like. <laughs> I mean, he did the Galaxy logo. He did the 17-Bit logo. Um, he's phenomenal. And I love working Sucker with Punch him. Sucker Punch 2, I think? Samurai Gun... Yeah, the um, Samurai Gun logo is incredible. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, everything he does is amazing. He's awesome. He's just, like, the greatest guy to work with. He's so happy, and he's so positive, and he's just got so many great ideas. Um, but, yeah, I was talking to Corey about this concept of, like, this brand within the brand of, like, okay, you know, we're going to really focus on taking those classic genres and sort of updating them for modern, you know, with all the modern fun tools that we have available to us these days. Um, and so we did the 17-bit logo and the brand and everything, and we kind of were, like, doing this micro-brand within the brand, at PAX East a couple of years ago, and uh, we did, Colin did a cool little boot up video and everything, and people just freaked out. We had some 17-bit shirts, and everyone's like, what is that? What is that? What is that? Oh my God, like, that's so awesome. And I was like, oh, and then like, literally, like after 10 friends told me that I need to change the name of the studio <laughs> to 17-bit, just forget about Haunted Temple. I was like, what? And I was like, no, this is, a, you know, it's this brand within the brand, and, and then like 20 friends, and then 30 friends, and like, you know, and 40 people straight who were like, dude, Drop the name Haunted Temple. You are 17-bit. Suck it up, admit it. And I was just like, all right, all right, all right, that's it. Well, see, it just seems like, you know, total outsider, but that Haunted Temple could kind of mean anything. Maybe that means something to you, but, like, 17-bit right up front, I think, communicates a yeah. lot, like, to an outsider. Like, doesn't know anything about the games, what your past is, but, like, you hear 17-bit, and it's like, that tells you a lot about the design philosophy of that team. I knew I knew it for sure when uh, we, the guys next door did our first run of pre, uh, T-shirts. They you know they print T-shirts and stuff. They have a big printing place. And uh, I was talking to my friend Jesse over there, and we were you know doing the kind of gold prints on, on one of the runs of the shirts. And he's just like, 17-bit, man. It's like old games, but like a little <laughs> bit new and like awesome. And I was just like, <laughs> yes, man, exactly. And, he's and if like, a guy yeah. like that gets yeah. it, yeah. then you are hitting like that is... It seems like you should have paid someone to come up with that logo at that point, or that that treatment, because if, if a guy who doesn't know much about games can sort of surmise that much, then you have done your job in yeah. terms of. <laughs> and you know, it's funny because it's very sort of Japanese influenced. I mean, I, I sent Corey this huge sheet of like all these old logos and what I liked about them and why I liked them, and everything was sort of that like just post sixty bit stuff. So a lot of like the the Turbo Graphics, like you know the uh, PC Engine, like the CD add on, and there was like the Super Graphics, and there was like all this stuff kind of like that age right where like the Super Famicom CD-ROM was going to be coming online it was like this whole area you know the original PlayStation I mean, back then it was really exciting it was like 16-bit plus like what's the next kind right. of step up and so this is the same sort of concept it's like you know imagine that there was like this whole you know console or something of like just post 16-bit it was able to do some things that none of the 16-bit games were able to and like how that would have you know changed the world like I was really excited to see what the CD-ROM on the Super Famicom would have been like right and, well, so there, was, there was a time of you know when the bits defined the generations because, you know, the, the leaps we were making, you know, 8, 16, 32, 64. Then once we got 64, like the 128-bit no generation, no one cares anymore. No one cares anymore. It's, it's just the numbers, you can't really correlate them in your head, but you say 16-bit, and you don't even have to be a big fan of video games, and, like, that immediately, I think, communicates to a wider audience. So I, I, I can get why 17-bit is like, oh I, oh, I get what you did there. And it's funny, too, because, like, the 8-bit thing is still huge, right? People love it. A lot of the retro games, a lot of the indie stuff is that very pixelized sort of 8-bit aesthetic, which is great, and I love it. But I loved the NES. But, I mean, I, the, from the first moment I saw a screenshot of the Super Famicom in EGM, I was working at Nintendo probably 1990 when I was a game counselor in high school. I remember seeing that picture and just being like, oh, my God. Like, I was so excited about Super Nintendo. And even now, 
I think my favorite gaming experiences, a large amount of them were on the Super Nintendo. Like to me, the Super Famicom was like the coolest machine ever. It was the greatest, still to this day, best font, best logo, best industrial design, best controller, best everything. Like I just love that machine so much. And so I really wanted this, you know, everything we do at the studio, because we're smaller, we're not a big company. We can't afford, you know, a team of 3D modelers and stuff. Like we want to do the classic 2D genres but upgraded with cool fun tech and just really being the classic core of those 16-bit games. But if you had modern physics, modern vis- you know, visual graphics processing power, modern artificial intelligence, tying all that stuff together and like redoing those classic genres, like that's all I want to do. Cause it seems like that's a little bit different than you know, in the years where I've talked to you about you know, Skulls of the Shogun, which is very much like, I love Advance Wars, I want to take what Nintendo was doing with that and kind of put my own spin on it, whereas like halfway through you, just, you kind of figured out 17-bit and realized... Well, it should be wider than that. That this is actually like a whole, like, genre of, of things that I want to tackle rather than just, man, I really like Advance Wars. Let's right. go do our own take on that. Right. No, it's. I mean, I have like the next couple of games mapped out in my head. Like, I know exactly what I want to be doing for the next couple of years, and you know, we're on track now. Like, we're building all this stuff in Unity. We're building our own tools. We're getting everything up and running. Like, we should be able to, you know, get at a much faster clip. Skulls of Shogun was unfortunately you know about four and a half years in development due to a bunch of different reasons. And I never want to repeat that again. I mean, yeah, I mean, I think that's what, you know, you know, we were talking about this earlier, that, you know, Skulls of the Shogun, you know, a game by all accounts that everyone that did play it really liked it, but that, you know, the long dev cycle, and you guys were out there, like, shouting from the rooftops, but you were shouting from the rooftops for so long that I think people kind of lost track of the game. And it seems like, from what you've told me with, with this new one, that, you you know, you don't want that to be four years. Like, no. this is going to be every couple of years or, or whatever, a much smaller cycle so that, you guys are, you know, kind of hitting to the things that you want to hit at a much faster clip. Yeah, that's definitely the plan. And everything's online, too. You know, it's looking good. So we're super excited right now. So, so is Galaxy uh, something that you had already been thinking about in the middle of Skulls of the Shogun that you were just itching to get around to? Yeah, or, it's been... Or how, how much did you guys wait after that was done to kind of, like, rethink, uh, no, what do this, we actually want to do this has been This has been in the back burner for a while. Um, it's just been a kind of a high concept. But I've had some early sketches and some... You know, some sort of rough, nasty concept art that I've done, you know, a while ago now. And I kept just adding to the... I had a big folder on my desktop, and I just kept adding inspirations and, you know, ideas and stuff in there and taking notes. And um, had a pretty solid prototype-level kind of document ready to go by the time we started this uh, last summer. We were supposed to be finishing up Skulls by last summer, and I ended up rolling about, you know, another six months at least on top of that. And then the Steam stuff, you know, it just kind of kept going. So I had, I had hoped to jump onto this full-time much sooner than we got a chance to. Um, but it's been sort of bubbling for a long time. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's been over a year now that it's been, like, in production. And we hope to ship, you know, about a year from now. Do you have, like, a big book that just has, like... Like, do you have just one book that kind of has this, all the games you kind of have mapped out? Or is that just sort of like, as you go along, you kind of just so, file them away in your head? No, it's mostly Google Docs and, you know, yeah, folders on my desktop full of, you know, obviously being, uh, I mean, I'm the creative director and the director of the company, project lead, but, you know, my background is all art. So I'm a very visual person. I was a concept artist and animator for years. And you're so, a big Surface fan, right? No? Is that not you? Eh, no. Not so much. Um, but you're a big fan of, you have like the little, you have, what's the phone that you have? Oh, the Galaxy Note too. Yeah, you love like you uh, love that. Love it. Yeah. yeah. Okay, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. That's no, it's big big visuals. It's fantastic. Um, the point is, my inspirations tend to come sort of through you know memories of gameplays, stuff that I you know kind of experienced growing up, and then obviously all the visual stuff. So I have like folders and folders on my desktop full of reference art and things that I really like visually, and things that make me think about a gameplay ideas through you know the visual medium. 
classic concept art and kind of stuff like that. Um, so the next game is pretty fleshed out already. And then the one after that I'm starting to think about now, kind of like I really want to make sure that our pipeline and our tools and stuff all really easily migrate and so we can just keep that production speed up as fast as possible and get these things going as fast as possible. I mean, obviously you have a, a bunch of ideas, like, but you're also the creative vector, you're also kind of running the studio. How do you, are you finding the balance between like wanting to get in there in the nitty gritty but also realizing that you've got to run the business part too? Uh, it's difficult. I work long hours, you know. I, I work... During the day, I'm director and CEO, and then kind of at night when people start drifting off, I you know usually work till like late, and that's when my art shift starts. It's difficult because uh, you've got two kids too. Yeah, and I don't spend nearly enough time with them, and they're like at their cutest peak right now, and it, <laughs> and it kills me. But you know, my wife understands that this is a crucial time for the company, and if this is what we are going to do with our lives, we have to make sure that it works. We have to make a game that's going to sell and, and allow us to sort of continue this because we're having way too much fun to ever go back to having real jobs. Does it feel like Galaxy is sort of like a you know like do or die situation? Absolutely, like... absolutely. I mean, we have you know some we've secured funding for this game, and that's the funding that we have, and we have to sell enough to get that money back so that we can make another game. Because if we don't have enough, we can't continue. Right. I mean, we could probably do work for hire or you know get a, a paid deal with one of the big publishers, but you know we would really like to stay independent and do exactly what we want to do and you know work on our own timelines and stuff. Um, to that end, I've hired my good friend Roz Joshi over here, who is a producer I worked with at EA for a long time, and uh, he's been able to come in and sort of really grab a bunch of the studio management and sort of the you know the producing the day-to-day -day schedules and budgets and stuff, and allowing me to do you know a, a good chunk more time and purely creative stuff. So that's been a huge help for me. And you know we've been slammed lately with all this PAX prep, and this is our first playable demo, so we've just been working crazy hours. And um, you know I try not to let these guys burn out, and and we try not to do too much crunch. But this is this is a big show for us. This PAX is a big deal for us. You know it's it's. It's a fucking big deal. You know? what, what is it like in between E3? Because you know, E3 is already a big deal. You got to go yeah. up on stage, yeah. and you barely got your game running before <laughs> before, it's, before the thing started. Yeah, yeah. But then what, what, what has that. it been like since then? Like, where you kind of, you know, finally got to get out there, here's my new baby, I'm done talking about Skulls of the Sugar, and you know, you got the Steam stuff, but like, you got this brand new thing to be all excited about all over again. But, you know, then the next milestone is, okay, PAX, you know, we're going to be yeah, first playable, so been, we're going to be showing a, it. It's been a heavy focus, you know, making sure that we get all these systems online, we get them illustratable in a playable fashion so people are able to get their hands on it and go, okay, I get it. Because a lot of people do have misconceptions about it. They think it's a twin-stick shooter. They think a lot of different things. And, you know, I like making weird projects. Like, my whole career has been weird games. You know, I was on Elmino with EA, and that was kind of like this weird thing. No one knew what it was. You know, working on Res and Space Channel 5, these things were like weird games that didn't really have any direct parallels. So it's difficult. I mean, I think even Skulls the Shogun, like, it's sort of a different take on the strategy thing. And, and this, too, is a different take on the shooting stuff. And uh, it's difficult to kind of explain, in a nutshell, what the game is. Because it's a lot of different things. And it's a kind of a lot of different new systems. And just, I mean, I think it's a pretty novel approach. And it's a strange, unique mixture of genres that we're drawing from to create this product. So getting that out there and for the first time watching you know hundreds and hundreds of people play through it and and catch their feedback and see what they're thinking and and see if they get it and what they respond to what they don't like it'll be a huge show for us just in terms of like takeaways in terms of design stuff like what people are responding to what they're not what we can tweak and take away but hopefully after the show we can kind of slow down again to a more normal pace and uh just kind of focus on the you know kind of rounding this thing out and getting it planned for for ship next summer what do you hope people take away? Like, what are the big points that you guys have sort of built into it, into this sort of like little slice that like, this is what we're going for, and then we'll see what people take away from it. But like, what are you, what are you looking for? Um, 
you know, we kind of mentioned this briefly earlier, but uh, a lot of people seem to really be responding to the aesthetic, the, you know, the sort of 80s sci-fi, the campy 80s anime sci-fi stuff, which, you know, pretty much everybody my age grew up watching Star Blazers and Macross and Robotech, stuff like that. So there's a whole thing there, you know, shooting the missiles feels really kind of, you know, engaging. Uh, the physics and the weight of everything's, you know, it's very different than a traditional shooter, right? Like shooter, you just sort of basically move left and right and up right. and down. There's no weight or timing. I mean, there's timing, but it's a different kind of timing. This yeah. is like you're responsible for your own timing and like you know your trajectory and your thrust and your angles. You're not arc. just dodging bullets. It's not a bullet hell game, you know. No, like you, not you at have all. a big open space you can play around in, and a lot of the game is in the early times, the first 15 minutes is really getting a handle on like the thrust. You know, yeah. it's like you're not just going forward. Like most games, it is always about you going forward. It's progressing. It's like getting from one end to the other. And in this, you have a giant map, and a lot of it is about not backtracking but moving backwards and shooting and like lining up the shots like there's a lot up front but then once you kind of get a handle on it like there's a real depth to it that most top-down shooters uh like i guess twin six shooters people are used to their depth comes from a different place it's not so much from like the depth of control but sure. there's there's a lot more of that going on in, in galaxy yeah, there's a lot just it's a lot of you know complex systems and it takes people you know like you saw 10 to 15 minutes to sort of get it and then once they get it they kind of they're eyes get that kind of glossy look and they just go into the zone of just pure combat and have a great time with it you know and a lot of people think from the screenshots and stuff that it's like some sort of shmup or whatever and it, again it's totally not I mean it looks like that at a glance but it's very much its own piece I would say it's closer to something like fighting in Halo I mean it really is like a top down Halo mm-hmm. almost more than than anything else I could think of are there, are there any sort of uh Shmups uh, from from like the '80s that you guys have drawn upon that like have sort of directly influenced this at all. You know, from a gameplay status, no. Mostly from a visual aesthetic, we're looking at things like Axley and R Type Three and kind of the classic SNES shooters, uh, Gyrus, You know, some of the classic Mega Drive and, and Genesis stuff. Um, you know, from a kind of a just an aesthetic throwback feeling. I want to like trigger these responses, like the classic space bugs and the, the big nasty mean you know Imperials and the, the space pirates and this kind of thing. So visually, some of that stuff, but from a gameplay standpoint, not really any direct, you know, tangibles. I mean, like, Asteroids is a good starter, but, I mean, it's so much more than Asteroids. Like, there's just so much more to it. Really, the gameplay stuff is really of my love of, like, Halo, and like, I really like Far Cry 3. I had a great time in that game. And just sort of, like, you know, having a mental map of where your enemies are around you and, you know, kind of quickly dugging into cover and those guys, you know, calling and responding to each other and, like, calling for help and calling for backup and communicating my position to to each other. You know, the sort of modern AI-driven combat sandbox experience, again, seen through the lens of this classic 16-bit shooter. So it's a funky mix, definitely. I mean, yeah, one of the things I didn't pick up on right away, but then once you guys started pointing out, was like, hey, when you run into the bug creatures, uh, you know, let... Don't immediately start, you know, if they're in the mix with the other guys, like, let them go, and all of a sudden I could just hide behind an asteroid, they don't see me anymore, and then the bug just fucking wiped everyone out, and then I just went and then did cleanup, yeah. and that, you know, I, I can't think of any other, you know, it's unfortunate, because then you know, once you say top-down shooter, they're just like any genre, like, people automatically start thinking, oh, well, that means X, Y, and Z, and then once you sit down and play it and see an action, you see, oh, okay, well, I see those elements, but it's off here doing its own thing, and, like, certainly the AI part is... It's something I I haven't seen before in, in a game like that. So it, it made it super interesting, just because it completely changes your tactics. Yeah, and, you know, it's funny when people tend to call it either a side-scroller or a top-down shooter. If you're going up and down, it's top-down. <laughs> if you're going left and right, it's a side-scroller. So it's a, people are like, is it top-down or side-scroller? I'm like, it's both. It's hard to explain. you got to just see what that means. But, 
Yeah, I'm sorry. What was the question? I mean, once you play it, it makes a lot of sense. But, you know, that I mean, that's certainly the difficulty. We were talking about genres and stuff before about how you want to be able to communicate to people, like, this is what we're making. Like, this is the thing we're doing. But you also, like you said, don't want to sell it short if you're going for something strange. Uh, and increasingly, like, games are getting stranger and ch- trying different things. And they really don't make as much sense until you actually sit down and play. Because a it's, screenshot, it's a screenshot doesn't, yeah. doesn't say everything. It's a like, strength it gives... and a weakness because you can... People have their preconceptions. They see this thing. They're like, well, whatever. The truth is you need to spend some time with it to understand what it is. But at that point, it becomes some fresh new experience that tickles that funny part of your brain that isn't getting tickled that much anymore with like truly original, engaging experiences because there is so much Me Too game design out there. And this whole indie movement, there's a lot of really great, creative, original stuff coming out. But it's hard to relate to. It's hard to understand right at, you know, right at first. And you have to kind of draw people in and keep them in for that first couple of minutes so that they get it to a point where they're like, oh, okay, no, no, I get it. So, like, our whole goal is to kind of come out strong with the aesthetics. Like, you're out in space. Like, the music's fantastic. The controls are cool. You know, you kind of just are drifting around in space. And, like, even just the simple things, like shooting the explosions and shooting the asteroids and shooting the junk out in space, even that is really aesthetically pleasing to people. And they can understand like the boost and kind of really get in a sh- you know hold of their ship and learn how to fly backwards and boost forwards and stuff like that. And so just keeping them in that zone long enough where they can start registering. Okay, I get it. This is different than what I've played before, but it's really fun and I'm having a good time, and it's different and it's really engaging and, and I want to see more now. I want to see where else this takes me. And that PS4 controller is really nice. I really like it. Like, I don't. I don't like the PS3 controller at all. I hate, mostly I hate the triggers. Yeah. And I don't like the. I don't like, I don't that, like anything about either. that controller. <laughs> Like, the Xbox 360, like, they had a better ecosystem, but I also just vastly preferred that controller. Oftentimes, yeah, I wish I could have just brought that controller and played the I games on PS3. I would have played more PS3 games yeah. if I had if but I that, had a 360 that, controller. that PS4 controller is unbelievable. Like, yeah, it's funny, because they sent us uh, the earlier ones, the prototype controllers, and they were okay. I didn't really like it too much. I was kind of like, oh, this is weird. I liked it better than the, the, the DualShock 3, like, immediately, but I was still kind of like, eh, I don't know about this. What was different? Uh, I can show you later. It oh, just, okay. It's different. It, it's a different shape. It's a different size. Uh, the, a lot of subtle differences in it. Um, and then I got to play with the final pad at the PS4 press conference at 83, and as soon as I got it in my hands, I was like, ooh, this is nice. Like, it just feels right. It's beefy. It's heavy. It's molded to the hands. Like, everything's about it. It's just like... You don't have to think about it, right? Nice. Like, that's a good controller... Yeah. Like, if it's not going for something strange like a Wii Remote or basically anything that Nintendo has done in the last 15 years, like, where they're purposely, you know, it's, you have to think about that control a little bit more. Whereas with this, like, I don't know, it just felt, I'm there. Like, I'm just playing the game. I'm not thinking about the fact that I hate the triggers and, like, just playing the game. The new triggers are great. I mean, everything about it just feels a lot better. I mean, just shooting off that laser with the X button, like, it's super sensitive. You can just sort of, like, just tap it and it just, zing, sends off a little zinger and you're like, ah, God, that just feels responsive and like it feels really good it's a big part of the experience I think actually are you guys thinking about using that touchpad at all that's sort of like the X factor for me like I've seen some a lot of developers thinking about it but you know some thinking like oh we can maybe move the map around with it but it doesn't seem like anyone's quite figured out yeah, what it's, it's for yet it's kind of small uh, I don't know exactly where it would fit I mean with the new button functionality on there like the share videos you know thing taking the place of the select button people are still going to need a select button for a lot of games so I think I'm not even positive, but I think if you push on either side, there's two buttons in there. Mm-hmm. And so I think you know we'll probably end up using that as like your options and, and stuff like that. Something that's easy to find in, in the heat of combat real quickly because those buttons are kind of you know smaller. The share button and the... Um, and no, start. it's not it's start not anymore. Start? It's called like... Uh, it has some other name now. 
But what was what was what, the start button? button? <laughs> so whenever I'm telling people to find the map, you know, in the, in the game, I'm like, what what used to be the select button? They're like, what what is this? Like, yeah, that part of the controller feels the most different. Um, you know, we're still developing in Unity on PC, so uh, we're still away from some of the core uh, PS4 functionality. So we haven't had to have that. We haven't been forced to kind of figure all that stuff out yet. But that's coming online real soon. But I mean, you know, ideally, you know, given that it's Unity, like it should be, you know, you're just playing to the strengths of the platform at that point. Like, you know, the, the whole goal of these middleware and these en- engines is that it's basically it's not quite plug and play, but you know, it's about as close as we can get. You know, it saves a lot of time. It's not like you're rewriting X and A for a totally different code base. (laughs) Yeah, I wouldn't know anything about that. Boy. Uh, (laughs) No, Unity is fantastic. It it lets us... I mean, it's still too technical for me to figure out, but I'm really bad with that kind of stuff. I just know that whenever I talk to anyone that has, you know, not used Unity before, they've been surprised how far it's come, how versatile... Like, you know... Well, you just spend so much more time creating the game right. as opposed to creating the tools to make the game and, right. you know creating the stuff that doesn't need to be rewritten every time there is a lot of functionality in there you can just start tweaking with we spend much more of our time on actual feature implementation specific to this game as opposed to you know architecting these entire systems from the ground up that you know may or may not ever be used again like right. we would never not use unity at this point as far as i can tell Plus, you know, being an independent studio, we're going to want to get on a lot of different hardware. We're going to want to get, you know, to every system that we can out there and be able to embrace, you know, upcoming trends like this micro console thing. Like, it hasn't taken off yet, but there's, everyone's getting in on it. You know, it's really interesting. Where is that going to go? I would love to have an Android build in my, you know, Unity that I can just pump these things out and start, you know, being competitive on all these different platforms. But at least on Unity, you're, you're prepared for that, right? Yeah. Like, then it's just accommodating for the platform that isn't out yet, but, you know, if, if you're building in Unity, Unity's probably a safe bet that yeah. it's going to be, you know, uh, workable on that upcoming platform. And then at least, you know, the position you guys are in independent allows you to sort of make that pivot if, yeah, sure, let's put some resources into this other platform and see how that goes. Yeah. And so, you know, we've we've put a fair amount of, of work into our custom stuff. Like, we're, we're teaming up with this new startup called Sentient that's doing uh, kind of middleware AI. They're going to be packaging it down the line. Um, they've been fantastic to work with, and so we're kind of creating our own custom AI stuff. We're doing a lot of the hand-drawn particle effects stuff for the explosions and things. Everything's all kind of this really hand-drawn anime-inspired look, which is different than you know a lot of the procedurally generated stuff that you get in a, in a lot of modern games um, with the explosions and stuff like that. You know, this is not rendered; it's all kind of hand-drawn, cartoony style. So we put a lot of effort into that. But again, this is stuff that we're hoping to utilize further down the line with more of the games. You know, I really like that sort of mostly 2D aesthetic with some of the, you know, cheats that you can get with, with cool 3D stuff. But, um, you know, as much as we embrace all the Unity's kind of functionality and we're, we are really enjoying it, we do have a very custom sort of toolkit within that that we're specializing on. We're actually hoping to maybe sell some of our tools. We've, we put together mm-hmm. some pretty impressive, like, long-term, big effort sound tools and, and music tools for Unity that we're probably going to be, you know, branding as our 17-bit brand of, of stuff that we're going to hopefully sell back as middleware. You know, the you've got this giant notebook uh, table here, and you had that when I was playing the game too. You don't you don't seem like a guy that is uh, you don't get nervous when people are playing your game. You actually just seem intri- or you hide your nervousness when people are playing your game. You seem you do seem like more so uh, than some other creators have been around, like interested in or at least able to sit and watch your game and take a lot of detailed notes about what you're noticing and like what, what you like and what you don't like based on how players are, are reacting. It's like it's so fascinating. It's one of my favorite things is to watch someone play a game that you're so intimately connected to every single facet of it. Like everything's been designed from the ground up for a purpose and 
it's all based on my experience as a gamer for years and years and years. I mean, I've been in the games industry since, like, 1989. I've been playing games since, like, the late 70s. I fucking love video games. It's pretty much all I've done with my life is, is video games. And so to create something from the ground up and to watch someone new come in and experience that for the first time and see where you're hitting and where you're not hitting, things that you think they're going to understand and they're going to you know be able to process, maybe they don't, it's just a fascinating process. And that, that all turns into new brain fodder to go back in the next day and be like, all right, you know, we did some play tests last night and no one got this thing. I thought it was a dead giveaway. I thought it was super obvious. It's not. So how do we go back in and readdress that? It's almost like a puzzle. Like, I love making video games. This is, like, so much fun. It's just such a great way to combine my passion for the, the hobby as well as sort of, like, what I do every day. So... You know, and then I get to go out and party a lot. Too. <laughs> you know, my wife's well, game little... developers don't drink at all. Like that's my a wife's common like, misconception. She's like, you're going out drinking again. I'm like, honey, this is like really important networking. I'm going out with like senior dudes from these big companies. Like I'm building these connections. This is like necessary for the growth of the company for me to go out and get wasted tonight with my friends. <laughs> well, in Seattle's, you know, is definitely up and coming is probably the wrong term, but like is often overlooked as. Uh, Sort of a nest bed for a lot of really talented Which developers. Which is ridiculous, because really, we have so much going on here that it's yeah. insane. I mean, between Microsoft and Nintendo alone, that should be enough for anybody. But then you've got Valve, you've got Bungie, you know, Sucker Punch, Zombie, a million studios here. There's so much stuff going on. You know, PopCap. I mean, like, like big, big brands and big, big companies. You know, uh, Warner Brothers has got a huge presence here. Like, there's so much game Monolith, development here. Monolith up here? Yeah, Monolith is part of Warner Brothers now. Yeah. Um, I mean, just more teams than I can even rattle off, and they, it's a huge community here. I mean, there's a massive chunk of game developers. And, like, when I go out, you know, I'll go up to Capitol Hill and go see a show or whatever. I look around, there's all these, like, youngish, middle-aged white guys <laughs> hanging around, like, pasty white. I'm like, you know, hey, what do you do? Oh, I work in games. Like, yeah, yeah, I know. All you guys do. Look at these dudes. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. White guys can't dance, man. It's terrible. That's unfortunate. Yeah, you look around, it's just, like, all these, like, you know, 30, 40-something video game developers. And I'm just like, wow. But that's Seattle. It's, it, it's good if you want to be a game developer. There's a lot of stuff going on here. It's easy to network and to find, you know, there's just so much stuff going on. So, so what is the, you know, you know, obviously you got to get through the next couple of days. Now PAX is four days long. Yeah, it's going to kill me. That's cruel and unusual punishment. <laughs> and, I've, and, I've, and I've seen you on those last days. Dude, it's bad. And now, now there's a whole extra day on top I of that. I think literally I'm going to try to fulfill my necessary, necessary duties up through Sunday mm -hmm. and then Monday I'm going to just walk around like a zombie and play other games so if you want to uh, so if you want to go and steal a build of Galaxy you want to make sure and go on Monday, Monday yeah. no one will be at the booth no I don't think anyone's going to be at any booth <laughs> four days is too much that's too much for anyone to stand and be excited and talk about anything all day that's four days lot. is too much man. it's a lot I'm really really nervous about this like I fall apart but Comic Con I think is I'm, five days Comic Con might be four days too that's just crazy it's just too much. I mean, we have enough guys now. Like with Skulls, it was a tiny team, and so we were all just like on there, you know, firing at every right. front. Now we've got enough guys. Where we can, you know, we've actually got a schedule for the first time where we're like <laughs> rotating shifts. I mean, I don't get to because I'm always the one kind of yeah. talking to people, talking to the press, and whatever. Right. But everybody else gets to like refresh and be on target. When Change your t-shirt stuff. Yeah. Take a couple hours off, run around, you know, play other games is important. I never get to enjoy packs in that way. I never get to go play all the other stuff because I'm too busy at my own booth. And, you know, you talk to anybody in the, in the indie mega booth, they're going to tell you the same thing. Right. They, they regret the fact that they don't get to go out and just play games. Jake does get three 15-minute breaks a day, so I'm <laughs> it's, it's pretty big. Let's make that clear. Yeah, I mean, don't want to make it seem like he doesn't get any breaks. Yeah. He, he can pee all he wants. <laughs> Pee, drinking my rock That's what a creative going. director gets. He gets to pee all he wants. <laughs> See, these are the perks that people don't talk about. 
It's not included in your salary, but, you know, it's there. Boom. So, sandwich eaten. You know, I'm good to go. I'm going to bring my stand-up chair because I have a stand-up desk now, so I have a chair that I can kind of leave Do you? On. I hear – I'm thinking about getting it, doing it, one of those for my next desk. potentially life-changing. I'm a really? Pretty, I'm a pretty big fan. Because I, I like standing. Like, I'll go – after, like, a work day, I'll just – I'm – people are like, oh, you can sit down. I was like, no, no, no. I want to stand. Like, I'm okay standing. So I've been thinking about doing the standing it's, desk. You should, you Does should. yours convert, like, up and down so, like, you no. can sit down? You're just straight no, standing. No, but, but I, have a, I have, like, this high chair – that like I can oh. kind of lean on, and you can get up and sit on it. It's right. not very comfortable, but like every but hour, I'll take like a ten minute break and just kind of sit on that for a little bit, and then get back up. But I find myself a lot more active during the day. My shoulders don't tense up nearly as much. Um, I, I really prefer it. But you had a good question before that we were getting to, and I totally spaced it. Uh, well, I was going to say that uh, so you know we get through packs. You guys are spending all this time kind of creating, you know, the industry term vertical slice, which is you know like a very slim playable thing that shows like here's what we want to do with this whole game, but all packed in this one little package like what's after that for like you guys then just kind of go dark and like now we have to build up this game pretty like, much, what is the next six pretty months much, uh you know we got a lot of ideas on paper we, we kind of have a pretty good big picture of everything that needs to go down but we need to start raj and i are going to sit down and like really kind of draw this stuff up into tasks timelines this system needs to get built before this system okay how are we going to work on this stuff you know like we want to kind of stub everything in it's great being, uh, you know, our team is a lot of young guys. This is our first project for a couple of the guys. Um, it's a lot of great energy, you know, you know, younger guys, super excited, super passionate, like, you know, we're very focused, very talented. But Raj and I have a lot of experience in AAA just production processes. And so understanding, you know, we, we kind of got out of our comfort zone and skulls due to some of the business deals and sort of the, some of the decisions we made that kind of stretched development out quite a bit longer. But, you know, that was a real learning experience. And for this one, like, you know, we're going to be very serious about understanding exactly the, the planning process. All right, we have this much time. These are the features we need to get online. This is a priority. You know, if the last couple t- fall off, maybe we can get to them later. The great thing about digital game design is you can be like, all right, here's our first release. Didn't quite make it to some of this multiplayer stuff. You know, we didn't quite finish some of these other factions of enemies or whatever. But that stuff can continue to roll out. And you can kind of have this live product that you can continue to add to. And this will definitely be the case with this game. What do you think of that early access stuff that... Seems to be very trendy, but I, I almost wonder it's if tricky. a little too many people are yeah, rushing to it. It's tricky. I mean, so for Skulls, we had early access, and it was fantastic because again, your game was done. You know, like it had already a, been released. It was a done game, yeah. and mostly we were like, we don't want to release this thing and have reviews telling us there's a bunch of bugs. We know there's a bunch of bugs. We right. can't possibly compatibility test on all these machines, so we're going to put it out there, let people who are into it get it for a bit of a discount, and basically help us clean this thing up because it's got a bunch of issues that just need time and, and people's hands-on, and we can't afford to go hire 10,000 testers. So from that end, from the developer's perspective, I totally get it, and it's an awesome thing. From a game player standpoint, I tend to be obviously super busy. Um, I don't have a lot of time to play games, not nearly as much as I'd like. So if, I'm, if there's something I'm looking forward to, I'm going to wait for it to be done. Right. And be mostly bug free, so I can sit down and spend my five or ten hours cranking through it, having an awesome time with it, and then move on. And I don't really want to spend something where it's just out and it's kind of like you know half implemented, half half broken. That being said, you know, as if you, if you play something and you really like it, and then a couple months later there's more content that's finished and good, like that's what I'm interested in now. I really like the idea of being able to revisit games that I really liked in bits and pieces as new content keeps coming out. I, I really think that that's a it's a solid plan, and you can you know you can spend a lot less effort and time and money. Like with Skulls, we we did everything, and we shipped this final <laughs> thing. And you know maybe we should have shipped it a lot sooner at a smaller scale and seen what people responded to. Like all right, people seem to really like this feature. They really like this play mode. Rather let's, than doing the whole let's kitchen build more sink of that. all at once. Yeah, 
let's build more of these. Like people, no one's touching these levels, these, you know, whatever they are. It's like, okay, let's not build any more of those. Let's focus all our development effort on stuff that people are responding to. People love this one thing. All right, let's build more of that. Like right. people are really responding to this. Like having that thing being in a dynamic, living, sort of evolving organism is super exciting. I mean, I really would love Galaxy to be a long living thing that we just kind of keep growing and keep adding to and people can keep coming at it from different angles. I'm really excited about that. Cool. Well, thanks for your time, Jake.